Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we now come to the passage where Jesus talks about not judging other people. And I feel like this is one of those passages that even people who aren't Christians are at least somewhat familiar with, or they at least are familiar with the phrase of not judging other people and judge not. And it's, it's kind of a passage that in a lot of ways people will try to turn against Christians and they try to use it in almost a snarky way of just, well, I thought you're not supposed to judge other people or I, I think the Bible says you're not supposed to judge me. And, and the, it kind of comes across as this mind your own business kind of way. So let's look at this passage and, and really look at, is it saying that we should just be minding our own business, or is it saying something else? So this is Matthew chapter 7, and it begins at verse 1. Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred, do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet, and turn, and tear you to pieces. So, when we're looking at this passage, it's important to note, first of all, that the judgment that Jesus is talking about here is only human judgment. Judge not, or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. So he's talking about humans judging each other, people judging each other. And it's important for us to understand that, that he's talking about this human judgment, because he's pointing out that if you say something or say, you shouldn't do this, but then you go out and do the same thing, that people are going to catch on, well, hold on a second, you said not to do this thing, and now you're doing it. And so what Jesus is conveying is when you do that, people are going to catch you in that act. People are smarter than you think sometimes. They pay more attention than you think sometimes. And if you're calling out other people and what they're doing, but you go and do the same thing, you're going to get called out for that as well. So he's talking about this human judgment. And we know that this is purely human judgment that Jesus is talking about here, because divine judgment is not dependent upon how we treat other people, or if whether or not we judge other people. See, every single person is going to be judged by God. We must all stand before God and give it a, an account of our life. And so every person and every action that we've ever done, every thought, every word, all of it is going to fall under the judgment of God. And there's nothing that's going to change that. So the problem that is being addressed here is when people try to take God's place as judge. And they try to condemn people for their wrongdoing. But that's, it's not their place. That's not any person's role 
That is God's role to judge. And I've explained this a little bit before, but just because we are not supposed to judge people doesn't mean that we aren't still being able to call sin, sin. And, and scripture even talks about a responsibility that we have of exposing sin and conveying the truth of what is right and what is wrong. And so to differentiate between those, think of a judge who sentences a criminal or a jury who simply judges a person, a person's actions according to the law that has been given. So we do have a responsibility to act in that jury role where we take the law of God that has been given to us and we can test people's actions against that law to determine whether or not it's right or wrong. But the issue that is being talked about in this passage is the sentencing part of that, right? It's the judgment. It's the condemnation of that person because of their wrongdoing. And that is a role that is only meant to be played by God. That is not a role that we are meant to put ourselves into. So the question then is, why do we do that? And, and why do Christians even sometimes do this? I'm not, I'm not excusing Christians who have wrongfully done this in the past. But why do we do that? Why do we have this tendency to want to call out somebody else's sin or somebody else's hypocrisy or somebody else's lies or, or anything like that? Why do we want to do that? I believe most often the reason is because we know that we're sinners too. We know that we've made mistakes. We, we know that we're imperfect. And if we can point out other people's mistakes and point out other people's sins, then everybody is going to be focused on them instead of us. And so what we're trying to do a lot of the times is we're trying to hide our sin under the sin of other people. Where we're saying, hey, nobody look at me. Nobody look at my sin or the wrongdoings that I have done. Instead, let's all focus on this person and the things that they are doing wrong. Because we know if, if we can shift the blame, shift the focus of attention off of us, then we're not going to be called out for the things that we know are going on in our own hearts and lives. And because of that, we put other people on the chopping block to try to hide ourselves from having to go up there. Right? It's just like running from a bear and you, you push the other person down so that you can get away. That's what we're doing. We're sacrificing the people around us so that our sin can go unnoticed. But again, we bring this back to that God is the judge not people. And God sees all and knows all. And it doesn't matter how many people we try to throw the blame on, or how many other people's sins we try to point out, it's not going to allow our sin to be overlooked by God. He will always see it. He will always know about it. It cannot be hidden from him. And God doesn't use that power and position and knowledge to try to catch us in our sin. Because there's really no need to try to catch us. He, he, he knows about it already. 
But remember, he has already made a way through Jesus' sacrifice so that that sin in our life can be forgiven. And we need to, rather than trying to cover up our sin, and especially throwing other people under the bus to try to cover up our sin, we need to let God expose that sin in our life and repent of that sin so that we can receive the forgiveness of that sin in our life. That's the grace that has been extended to us. And so instead of being this judge for other people, we need to extend the same grace to them that we receive from God, and it's the same grace that we would want to receive if we were in their position, if we were the ones who made that mistake, and how badly we would want people to excuse our behavior in that moment, how badly we would want people to, to forgive us and pick us up and have grace and mercy for us if we were in their shoes. And instead of condemning others, we need to extend to others that same kind of grace that we would want, which is the same grace that we already receive from God. And that's really what this instruction is about when you get down to the root of it, is Jesus pointing out that other people are people too, just like you are. And they deserve the same kind of grace that you've received. So let God do the judging. Let God judge their actions. Let God be the judge of your actions that you're trying to keep hidden. But as far as it comes between you and other people, extend to them the same grace that God shows you. Again, we're not talking about excusing behavior, right? We're not saying that it's okay for that sin to take place. Because you can still recognize that it's sin, recognize that something is wrong, and extend grace anyway. Again, that's what God does with us. He doesn't say, go on, go keep on sinning like you're doing, go live whatever life you want because everything's fine. That's not what God does. He looks at our life, he looks at the sin in our life, and he says, this is sin, and yet I will show you grace anyway. And that's the example set for us. So rather than us taking that position of judge, which should only be filled by God, we should instead take that position of extending grace to others, which Christ has modeled for us to follow in as he has shown us. So that's what this first part is being is talking about. Don't judge or you too will be judged. So yes, at first it does sound like the passage is saying, just mind your own business. Just, just go about your merry way. But that's really not what it is saying. Because that's really not what extending grace to someone is. And in fact, when we go through this illustration that Jesus uses of a speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and the plank in our own eye. Look at how he ends that illustration. He says, first take out the plank, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So here we are being shown in this passage an instruction to not simply 
deal with your own sin and let other people deal with their sin. And it's just between you and God and them and God. And there's a separation between you and other people. And you just have to get your own house in order. And, and that's all there is to it. And just leave people, just leave well enough alone and mind your own business. That's not the instruction that's being given here. The instruction that's being given is take that plank out of your own eye so that you will be able to help your brother remove the speck of sawdust from his eye. In other words, the goal here is for you to help someone else with the sin that is in their life. That's the goal. That is the purpose in the context of this passage. The purpose of dealing with our own sin, dealing with our own flaws, our own addictions, our own troubles. We need to get that in order. We need to allow God to help us with those things so that we are in a good enough position to help other people with the sin that they are struggling with. Because remember, we are not here to just live isolated, comfortable lives for our own benefit. We are here to do the work of God and further his kingdom. And that includes helping our brothers and sisters in Christ and the rest of the world outside of the church walls, helping them in the life that they have and the struggles that they have. And it's incredibly difficult for us to fulfill that purpose when we have our own stuff that we are dealing with that is debilitating our potential of being able to help other people. Because it's incredibly difficult to help someone when you yourself are in a bad position. You can't really help people from a bad position very well. For example, if you fall into a pit, like a well, and you're down there in that hole, you're in a bad position. And if you want to get out of that well, you want to get out of that pit, you know what you're going to be hoping for? You're going to be hoping that somebody else comes along above ground and spots you to be able to help you out. You know what you're not really hoping for? Finding somebody else down in that pit with you. Because that's not going to be very helpful. If you've got two people in this scenario and both of those people are down in that pit, they can't help each other out very well. They're just both stuck. And you need one of those people to be above ground, to be out of that pit, out of that bad situation, who is then able to throw a rope down to help the other person out. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is, let God free you from the sin in your life, not so you can just go along your merry way, but so that you can help out other people who are in the same place that you have been before, the same places that you used to be, because they need someone to help them. So don't just go along your merry way. Get that plank out of your eye so that you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's this understanding that we need to let God address our sin, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of others as well. That we get ourselves right with God, 
We get rid of the junk in our life that is pulling us down. And we do that not just for our own sake, and not just because it's pleasing to God, although there's probably no greater reason than because it's in God's will, but in addition to that, God's will also is that we will be in that better place to be able to help others. And of course, we'll never be in a perfect place, so we don't want to wait until our life is perfectly in order to help other people, because we'll never reach that place. We will never be a perfect person. We'll never have a perfect life. But you can't really help somebody out with something they are struggling with when you're struggling with the exact same thing. There's not really a whole lot of useful advice you have to offer in that situation. But when you're struggling with something, you're in a tough spot, and you're able to get advice from someone who has been there and they understand exactly what you're going through, but they're not there anymore and they got out of that place and they're able to share with you the steps that they were able to take to help themselves get out of that place, that is priceless information. That is an invaluable friend to help you in that time of crisis. And that's the message that Jesus is trying to convey here. Don't just judge and condemn other people, but get your own life in order first and do it so you can help people out instead of pushing them down. Don't just mind your own business. Get your life right with God so, so that you can help other people. And then he finishes off this passage, finishes off this instruction with another illustration about not giving dogs what is sacred and not throwing pearls to pigs. And again, this can be one of those illustrations and, and one of those things where you go, well, where did this come from? What is this talking about? Um, and we talked about that recently with the eye being the light of the body. I feel like this kind of falls into that same category where you're going, well, this kind of seemed out of nowhere, but again, when you understand what Jesus is talking about in this passage and the point that he's trying to get across here, it lines up perfectly with what he was just saying. So to kind of make help this make sense to you, let me explain that when he's talking about the sacred thing here, or he's talking about these pearls, what he's referring to here is the act of correcting sin in someone's life. Where you recognize, again, in that role of a jury, you recognize that someone has a destructive sin in their life. And you recognize that. And you recognize that it's destroying their life. You recognize that it's not from God, and it's causing problems, and it needs to be addressed. In order to help that person you are going to want to correct that sin. Now the problem is that not everyone wants to be corrected. And advice can sometimes fall on deaf ears, especially if there's no relationship there, or it's just a bad context, or maybe you just have very poor delivery. But there can be a number of issues where that correcting of sin that you are trying to do 
is seen more as con condemnation than assistance. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Don't, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What Jesus is saying through this is that there are some people, many people, who have sin in their life and they have no interest in all of getting rid of that sin. They have no interest in all at all about what the Bible says about it, probably because they don't believe in the Bible or they don't believe in God. And they don't care. They just want to continue in it. And if you have someone who is in that point where they just don't care, and you try to bring your friendly advice in to help them out, it is not going to be pretty. They may trample your advice under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Because here's the thing. Pigs don't know pearls are valuable. If you throw pearls into a crowd of people, real pearls, they're going to collect that. They're going to try to get as many of those pearls as they can. But if you throw pearls at pigs, as far as they're concerned, you're just throwing rocks at them. And that's not nice. That's not pleasant. And they're going to turn and attack you. Sure, the pearls are so valuable. But the pigs don't understand that. That thing may be sacred, but the dogs don't understand that. Even cats sometimes don't understand that. I have a cat. She doesn't even understand that shoelaces are not supposed to be chewed on. Otherwise, the shoe doesn't work. And so I have to put my shoes in the closet and make sure I don't leave shoes out. Otherwise, she's going to chew the shoelaces. Why? Because she doesn't understand that the shoelaces are kind of important for the shoe to work. Dogs don't understand what is sacred. Pigs don't understand what is valuable. And until they receive that knowledge, those sacred things, those valuable things, aren't going to help. And so what Jesus is saying is that there are some people who have specks in their eyes, or maybe even planks in their eyes, but they're okay walking around blind. And they don't want any help. They will not accept any help. They don't even think they need help. And to try to correct a person's sin in their life in that situation is not going to help them. So don't, don't do that. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't do that. It's not going to do any good. Now that does not mean that we give up on them. I'm so glad that God did not give up on us. He never gives up on us. It's incredible. No matter how much we reject him, dishonor him, despise him, drag his name through the mud, he never gives up on us. And if we're going to have a heart like God, that's, that means we see people the same way. We aren't going to give up on people. But we do need to understand that just trying to correct their behavior is going to do more harm than good. And so we need to understand that there are some people who need help before they can be helped. 
Let me say that again. Some people need help before they can be helped. So what I mean by that is that before you can begin correcting the sin in somebody's life, especially if they don't believe in God, that's not going to do any good unless you lay a whole lot of groundwork before you get there, right? You have to have a strong relationship with the person, and most importantly, you have to bring that person to a belief in and acceptance of God and a belief in and acceptance of the existence of sin itself, you have that much ground and so much more to cover before you ever get to correcting someone's sin so they can live a more righteous life. You can't start other people halfway through a journey. You do not take a level 1 character in a game and put it up against a level 80 boss. It does not work. It's not helpful. It's just going to be frustrating for everyone involved. So you don't give up on them. You just have to start at an earlier point. And don't get to where you're trying to help them be more righteous until you first help them have a relationship with Christ and understand who God is and what Jesus has done for them. That's what you have to talk about first. And Paul, in the New Testament, he understood this principle. He talks about, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in the first few verses, he says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? See, Paul had this same issue. He was dealing with people who were not mature believers. And they had a lot of work to be done on them. So he had to start them off small. And again, this is part of extending grace to someone. Because grace is very often tied to patience as well. Where you're saying, okay, this isn't just about getting to the point where I want to be. It's recognizing where people are and helping them out where they are now in what they need help with the most and dealing with that situation first. And too often, we as Christians can become more focused on how righteous a person's life is rather than how their relationship with Christ is. And unfortunately, that extends not just to people who aren't believers, it extends to people who are believers as well, and sometimes even extends to our own lives as well, where we become so much more focused on how righteous our life is, and we neglect that more important aspect of is there a relationship with God? Because that's where the righteousness needs to be coming from, is coming out of that relationship. And so we need to help people find Christ before righteousness. And in order to do that, 
We have to get our own life in order with God first. And recognizing that it doesn't matter what kind of sin is in other people's lives, our sin will always be held responsible to God. And so we recognize we're not accountable to other people, we're accountable to God. And that is a very, very high standard for our life. And before we go around judging other people, which we never get to that point where we're judging others, because again, that's God's rule. But the first thing we have to do is recognize that we ourselves are sinners. We mess up. We make mistakes. Not just before we knew Christ. Today, we still sin. And we need to accept the forgiveness of God in our life and let God do a work in our life to free us from the sin that we struggle with, to bring us into a healthy, not a perfect, but a healthy position where we can help other people out. And recognizing that not everyone is in that place where they're ready for sin to be corrected in their life yet. And if they're not in that place yet, then we need to help them with where they're at. So in this passage, it is very much not saying, mind your own business. In fact, it's really saying the opposite. It's saying, get your life in order so you can help other people out. Let God be the judge, you be the helper. You be his outstretched hand of grace reaching out to the rest of the world. That is what you are supposed to be. Go and represent Christ in this world to others and show them the love that God has shown you. And that is today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can also email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you, wherever you're listening to this, like it, rate it, share it, all of those things that help get the message out there. But until next time, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate each and every one of you. And it's my prayer that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. I'll see you next week.